Hello everyone, welcome back. This is James Thayer with The World's Last Night. Uh, sorry I haven't posted in a very long time. I think I may have mentioned in a couple episodes back, maybe just the last one, that things have gotten really hectic for me and my family. We are currently simultaneously trying to sell our home, move into my parents' home, uh, we've put a contract on a piece of land that we want to build a house on, and in addition to all this, you have regular work, um, and I'm having to save up a very large down payment for this house, so, for example, I've edited 12 videos this week, um, and I've probably been working 60-hour weeks for the past two weeks, and that's probably not going to stop until due diligence is done and all this is over with. So I just haven't had a lot of time to record anything, but I will say that I did have enough time to have a discussion with a lady on Quora, and the discussion sort of centered around something she had said to someone else, and so this other person had basically posted about a man who, he was in his 90s, and his wife of like 70 years came out and basically said in the 1940s while he was away in the military, she had cheated on him with someone else. And so he said he wanted a divorce. And so this other guy posted, said, wow, you know, that guy showed a lot of discipline to actually have a good reason to leave. He probably had, had wanting to been he probably wanted to have been leaving a long time ago up to that point. And he finally had like a real reason to leave instead of a bogus reason he made up. Okay, so that's all good and well. But this other lady basically, you know, said that's really, you know, that's really sad. Like marriage is about happiness. And if he wasn't happy for decades, like he should have just left. And so I chimed in and basically we had this discussion. And it was a discussion. It wasn't an argument, which is nice because that's unusual. But it was about, you know, what does, uh, what does God have to say on this matter of happiness? And my argument was basically, happiness is never a metric God gives us. Like, it's not something that he uses to measure the value of a action or a relationship or basically anything in scripture. Happiness is always a byproduct. It's never necessarily something you pursue over the virtues. And so, you know, I've argued this many times and I have a ton of different um, examples I give. One of my favorite, and actually I've updated it because of an example I have that just yesterday I was in Publix picking up some food um, for breakfast. We were having some uh, guests over to our house and there was a man who was what you would call morbidly obese he was on one of the little scooters driving around and that's that's okay that's not what you know stood out to me what stood out to me was the fact that in this man's shopping cart were like seven boxes of hostess pastries and so in any case the odd thing to me was, well, obviously your health is not good and you are continuing to indulge in practices that are going to make it worse. So 
to that man, you know, eating those cream pies is going to bring him happiness. That's for sure. It's going to be temporary, but it's going to bring him happiness. It's what comforts him. But it's not necessarily what's good for him. And so this is sort of my argument against using happiness as a barometer for your relationships, marriages, or any action you take in life. It's that uh, it doesn't necessitate goodness to make you happy. And people who pursue happiness over virtue, over goodness, typically leave a wake of destruction in their path. So going back to marriage, I was basically arguing that Jesus didn't really leave us an out of marriage because of happiness or unhappiness. Like that that's not something a metric that he used. I mean, he used basically unfaithfulness and everyone since the beginning of time has used death. So like two two different reasons you can get out of a marriage. Now we can split hairs and, and discuss that even further, and I agree that that actually is a good discussion. For example, what if your spouse hits you or assaults you? Well, my advice would be uh, call the cops because they've committed a crime. But what's the spiritual side of that? The spiritual side of that is basically you are now assaulting your own body in a sense. No one in the right mind should do that. And in my opinion, that means that you've already been unfaithful. You've already broken the covenant to take care of, to have and to hold, all of that. That is unfaithfulness. Um, you are worshiping yourself or Satan instead of giving deference to your spouse. So, okay, let me get back on track. This lady was basically arguing that... If you find yourself unhappy in your marriage, it's better to leave that marriage and find happiness elsewhere than to persist in it. So I gave philosophical rebuttals to this, but I also gave some like real life experience. I've only been married for three years, but you know, we did go through one particularly difficult time. And that is when my wife, after giving birth to our daughter, came down with, however you want to say that, postpartum depression, and she basically became somewhat useless to even herself. So what did that cause? Well, it, it caused me to step up and work a full-time job, do night feedings, try to take care of our new baby and my wife. And we were very blessed that our mo my mother-in-law came and stayed with us and ran interference on, on a ton of those things, including taking night feedings every so often so that, you know, I could get sleep. So we're very blessed in that regard. But would you say I was happy during that time? Not by the world's standards, no. And most of it was because of grief, like seeing my wife in this, this state and then slowly uncovering that she uh, did not want us to have our daughter and then uncovering that she didn't want to live anymore and then having to take her to the hospital multiple times for suicidality none of that makes you a happy person and so this lady was arguing to me well when you get married you don't know if things are going to change she literally said you're not omniscient 
which is a quality that God possesses, which means he knows everything, right? And to that, I say I agree. But you made a promise. You made a covenant. And in that covenant, typically your vows will include for better or for worse, which means it doesn't matter what the outcomes or the future holds, you're promising to stick with this person. So instead of punking out on my wife um, and breaking a promise I made her, I stuck with her and just, you know, sort of picked up slack here and there and cut other things out of my life that would bring me, you know, enjoyment here and there. And and push forward and so we were really blessed that God healed her from that not you know we didn't have to suffer through that for too long it was several months but not years the argument can be made though that during that time she was a totally different person than who I married she had never experienced depression before in her life she's always been proactive not one to procrastinate that's me and yet she became a totally different person well this lady would argue that I then would have a good reason to divorce my wife. Yet, my my rebuttal is that's not what God says. A, that's not a reason to leave unhappiness. But B, uh, during times of struggle, of suffering and trials and temptation, you're very rarely going to find happiness, but during those times, you can find a greater portion of goodness than in times of ease, and it comes in the form of character. You grow character. You become more uh, loving of your spouse because you are serving them more. And my coup d'etat of this argument, it sort of wrapped itself up into comparing uh, those actions to Jesus, who did not find happiness when he was being crucified. We know that from in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's arrested, he's literally praying so fervently and he is so anxious because of what he's about to endure that it says he sweat like blood pouring. And some people like to say he sweat blood. <laughs> so he's not happy, right? But he's doing what his father, God, has told him to do. And what does it lead to? Well, it leads to the procurement of salvation for millions of people. So even though there was no happiness in it, it led to goodness. And so I brought up several other examples. My wife knows a couple where the uh, young lady married basically like her high school sweetheart. He got into a terrible accident. I think it was four-wheeling and is now basically confined to a wheelchair and is like a very high-functioning vegetable. And it's sad. And it's sad that these two people were dealt those cards. But what does that woman do? She sticks with them and has stuck with them and is his primary caregiver. It's not what she signed up for. Well, that's the thing. It is not what she expected, but it is what she signed up for when she made a promise of through better or for worst. So here's an example of, you know, this isn't the man that I married. That's true. Like, he holds very few of the qualities that he had before he was married. But that doesn't have any bearing upon your promise. You know, you gave your word to this person you were going to stick with them. Until death do you part. So, 
in any case, I don't think that we can use happiness as a metric for actions of commission or omission that we do in this life. I don't think God really takes it into consideration when it comes to doing the right thing. But I will say this, I do believe that if you do the right thing, eventually you will find happiness. I think that happiness can be a byproduct of the right thing, but you have to go through that valley to then stand upon the peak on the other side. And sometimes I don't think you'll even stand upon that peak in this life. Now, I was very blessed. God healed Allie, my wife, and then basically uh, she was able to start a ministry to help other women with postpartum depression. And God redeemed that situation and I got back the same fun loving girl that I married. I don't know if God's ever going to heal, say, that, that man in the wheelchair I spoke about. I don't know if he is. I pray he does. And I pray they get more time on earth to spend together like that. But what I do know is that God sees what both of those people do. And you may think, well, it's just the woman in that circumstance that has to fight very, very hard to keep her vow. But you wouldn't really know too much about men if you said that because men in general don't like being weak. We don't like having to be taken care of. And I am pretty sure, I don't have too much information, but I'm pretty sure this man at one point kind of felt that same way. Um, and sometimes when you're in that situation, you just want to be left alone. You want that other person to go off and find happiness elsewhere. And it's honestly a, a pride thing. So both of those people are having to fight for that. And I do firmly believe that in the next life, when they have regenerated bodies, they will get to enjoy each other. And that friendship will be deeper than if they hadn't gone through that trial. And so anyways, that's not to say that God caused that man to have that accident. In other words, I basically believe God brings good out of terrible situations. So you might find happiness if you stick it out. And I do have an example of really good friends of mine who were on the brink of divorce for actually good reasons. And yet when I went and spoke to the man, one of my best friends, I basically say, look, scripturally, you have good reasons to divorce. But my question to you is, do you want to? And he thought about it and eventually told me no. Now this man was really suffering with extreme pain. Um, and yet he said that he wanted to see if he could make it work. And so they went to counseling and then they went to more counseling and then more counseling. And then they, they stayed in their small group, uh, marriage group. And they fought through it and fought through it. And, you know, to this day, God has rewarded that effort and they have a better marriage today than they did before this issue occurred. And there's more details in there I wish I could share, but I, I shouldn't. So in any case, there are reasons to leave someone, to divorce, uh, to separate. There's definitely reasons to call the cops if there is domestic abuse. Um, and to get out of that situation. 
And there are reasons to drag you and your spouse in front of church elders and say, I feel neglected and I am unhappy in our marriage. That's the point you go and you get other people involved to start working on administering in your marriage. That's the point where you drop on your knees every night and pray for your spouse that their heart might be softened so they might see the pain you're going through. But it's not the point yet to divorce. I believe that if you go through all the steps, especially if you're both believers, that helps tremendously. If you go through all the steps that, you know, Paul and Jesus outlined in the Bible, the first one is if you have something against someone, you go and you tell them about it. Nine times out of the 10, you know, if you tell your spouse, uh, this really hurts me when you do that, they're going to say, oh my gosh, I did not even know, especially if they're men. Um, and they're going to want to fix it. So that one, one time out of 10 that that doesn't work, well, the next thing that scripture says is, well, then you take that person who you have something against and you get other people involved. This would be friends and family. And then you come together and you say, hey, like, I have this issue, we have this issue in our marriage, will you speak into our lives about it? Because now you're getting a mediator. You're getting someone to basically, who's hopefully impartial, to be able to mediate between the two opinions because the other person might not think what they do is wrong. And the idea is you, you compare it to the tertium quid. The tertium quid is Latin, it basically means the third thing. So each of you are gonna go build a house. You have, you know, you bring your six foot, uh, board and the other person brings the 10 foot board, how do you know what size board you need? Well, you look at the drawings. You, work, you look at the third thing. It's going to tell you which one is correct. That's the whole point of mediation. You need someone to, to try to tell you whose opinion in this regard is actually biblical, is correct. And then hopefully they correct themselves from there. Well, you get to that point, hopefully that solves you know, the issue, but it may not. And then the next thing you do is you bring that, if it doesn't, you bring that person to the church elders. And at that point, you're going to find out if your spouse is actually a Christian because they should feel convicted um, based on who they have put over their lives and they're submitting to. So if you belong to a church, that usually means you submit to that church pastor. And whatever they say in your life, as long as it's not against the Bible, right? Um, that's usually what you follow, whether you like it or not, whether it makes you happy or not. That's what you're supposed to do. Because hopefully they're pointing you to things that all of our master, Jesus Christ, said, and that should convict you. Basically, at that point, if the person still won't change, then I think, yeah, you should separate. Not necessarily divorce, but you are you're living in a relationship where the person is not convicted of their sin against you and it might just take you not being in that relationship or around them all the time to fix it what's the point of all this I'm basically saying don't give up at the first sign of of sadness or unhappiness there are steps to go through and there are legitimate reasons for divorce and in the last case I just mentioned, if you come to find out that one person is not a believer, they reject scripture, 
They reject their pastor's authority. They reject the body of believers trying to speak into your life. Biblically speaking, Paul says, okay, if that person wants to leave the marriage, let them. Now he will tell you as the believer in the marriage that you should not leave your spouse. He basically says, this is your cross to bear. It sucks, but think about our Lord Jesus Christ and what he bore also. He basically continues to say, how do you know that you won't win over your spouse? How do you know that by your conduct, your love and gentle spirit, you behaving like Christ, your prayers and supplication to God to intercede between, because obviously your spouse has an issue with God, right? So you're asking God to soften their heart. Paul basically says, how do you know you won't win over your spouse? So he actually says, don't divorce um, if you are the believer. But if the unbeliever party wants to leave, he says, well, let them leave. So there are like, there are things to do to address unhappiness in a marriage, but biblically speaking, it's not a reason to divorce just because you're unhappy. There are all sorts of things that you should pursue and do. And likewise, above all, you should hold the virtue of goodness above happiness when you're making decisions. I knew a buddy in college who, when he wasn't drunk, he was high. When he wasn't high, he was drunk. And this was my roommate, one of them. And uh, he literally came to me one evening asking for money. And I said, what do you need the money for? And he said, to buy some happiness. And then he smiled and laughed a little bit because he knew how pathetic it was that he derived all his joy from drugs and alcohol. And uh, you know, a lot of times that's the problem. We're trying, to, we're trying to get our happiness from somewhere else other than from our Lord. Now the Bible sort of delineates these two, it calls it joy. So I can tell you unequivocally, when my wife was going through postpartum depression, wanted to kill herself, wanted our baby dead, all those horrible things, and I had to take on a lot more burden, I wasn't unjoyful. I actually pushed farther into God, worshiped more. I said, God, I'm at the end of my strength. This is what I would say in the shower. I'm at the end of my strength, but you know, that's the beginning of yours. When my weaknesses come unglued and undone, that's when I know yours comes upon me. And he got me through all that with a decently joyful spirit, not gonna lie. So I believe that when you get to that point where you're unhappy, especially in a marriage, that's when you need to cling to God and say, look, I can't derive my joy from my spouse. Like if, if they weren't, they didn't even exist, you know, I would still need to find my joy from something solid that's unmovable and unshakable. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ who loves you, who sticks closer to you than a brother. And, uh, who you can find your joy in because he's procured salvation for you. So despite your circumstances and the environment, my advice would be if you're unhappy, especially in your marriage, press into God, be very proactive about your relationship with God, interceding on your spouse's behalf, praying that God would change your spouse's heart. And then likewise, do the proactive things that Christ would have done to, to change your spouse's heart serving, loving, caring, giving a gentle word, encouraging, all those wonderful things. If your spouse is a believer, right? 
then go through those steps I mentioned earlier. Get your friends and family involved. Get the church involved. But don't give up so quickly. Don't give up and say, well, the grass is probably greener elsewhere because, well, at the end of the day, you made a promise. You made a covenant. You're going to stick with this person through the good and the bad. That includes if they change. That includes if they decide after marriage they don't want kids anymore. You still have to stick with this person. And you pray that God might change their mind It's in that last regard where I just mentioned, for example. But don't punk out on your spouse um, over unhappiness. Stick with them and pray and see what God does. So that's all I got. I'm actually in the car. If the recording sounds terrible, that's why. Um, I'm going on shoots. I'm really busy all next week, so I don't even know if I'm going to be able to read Genesis to you uh, for another week, but I will certainly try to. Until then, this is James from The World's Last Night.